the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. I'm so glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically try to take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about. We talk about God. We talk about the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We talk about worldviews and world religions. And from time to time, we have authors, artists, guests on. And joining me... Joining me is Travis Allen. He is the teaching pastor at Grace Church in Greeley. And I've had the great privilege of having him on the program a couple of times. I've so enjoyed our conversations. And, of course, you can find out more about Travis Allen and the teaching ministry at Grace Church in Greeley by going to PillarOfTruthRadio.com, PillarOfTruthRadio.com, where uh, Travis Allen, along with um, the hosts, I think it's Josh Odie. Is that how you say his name? Um, yeah, Travis? that's correct. Josh. And, and you yeah, guys Josh do, Odie. yeah. And you guys do a podcast, but there's lots of stuff going on. But again, I just wanted to thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the program. And I've so appreciated your teaching and the ministry that God has entrusted to you. And then, uh, the generosity that you've shown in showing up on other formats like uh, Sword and Trowel and Founders Ministries. I did not know about your deep connection there, so uh, congratulations yeah. on, on that. Well, 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 thank you, Gino. It's always a, a privilege and a pleasure to talk with you as well. Uh, I, you know, I just find your, uh, your, your way of asking questions, your view of the world and everything to be fascinating and uh, always providing interesting conversation. My, my connection with founders goes back, um, I first got exposed to them uh, back in the mid-90s when I was going wow. to the Southern Baptist Seminary and uh, just appreciated uh, the kind of things they were exposing the Southern Baptist Convention to with regard to their origins. So I just really appreciated their ministry. Well, I think it goes to the heart of what I wanted to ask you about, even just in this one segment. But that is about I wanted to ask you about your biggest concern for our country. And then I wanted to ask you about your biggest concern for the church and maybe how those two concerns might connect. Any thoughts Mm -hmm. on 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 your biggest concern for our country? Those are those are two very (laughs) Very big and loaded questions, and sure. my mind is flooded, flooded with thoughts, probably uh, hopefully going to come out of my mouth in some kind of coherent way, <laughs> but um, uh, what a challenge. So so biggest concern for the country, obviously we're heading into an election year, and sure. uh, you know, as we've seen from past election years, it's, it's not always pretty, and it doesn't always pull out the, uh, uh, the best in our public discourse and uh, what we see going on in our public conversation. But uh, I, I guess the, the concern I've had for quite some time, uh, I, think, I think you and I are of, of maybe uh, close in age generations where we 
we, we've kind of scratched our head, looked at each other and said, you know, this isn't the world really I was born into. This isn't mm-hmm. the country I was born into. Things seem, things seem very different. And as time goes by, it seems like the, seems like the, uh, the pace of change uh, has really accelerated. And the, mm-hmm. the, the, the flood of immorality and the, the speed of the change in ethics has, has just, I think it's really, our technology has outpaced our ability to, uh, to keep up with the ethics of it all. And, and for a country that is, has unshackled itself from its Judeo-Christian foundation, um, people are lost. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just floating around in midair, and that does not bode well for the future of our country because we're not. There's no unified, absolute source of authority that we all adhere to and say we're all going to go by the same set of rules here, the same standard. Uh, it used to be un- understood that, I mean, you know, the Bible was how we taught children to read and read in school, read and write in school, and the Bible is a part of our public conversation and discourse, and now it's been it's been marginalized, shoved out, and even treated as something that's harmful. So because there's such a, you know, nature abhors a vacuum and authority abhors a vacuum. And so when, when, uh, when we don't have that single unifying authority in our lives, which is God's word, uh, people are going to be making themselves their own authority. And that means fracturing, division. And that division, because of the sin nature, uh, turns people against one another. And so I'm watching that happen as you are. I think there are a lot of cries for, for coming together, being unified, being uh, harmonious in our speech, but there's nothing governing that. So mm. I'm concerned. I'm concerned for what I see politically. Um, I'm concerned for what, uh, you know, what you know, the different people in power, the, you know, there's a, there's a little oligarchy, I think, that's uh, having a lot of influence. Mm-hmm tech billionaires and things like that. So anyway, I just don't, I, I'm no prophet, no son of a prophet, but I, but I, I don't think you need to be a prophet or have any kind of a supernatural insight to see, uh, to read the tea leaves these days. Mm-hmm. So anyway, for our, for our country, what, what we need most is uh, a return to, to God and his Christ, mm-hmm. to return to the authority of scripture, to repent of our sins and put our faith in him. Yeah. And that seems to be the bittersweet situation we find ourselves you know, you think about being the pastor at Grace Church and where where darkness abounds, grace doth much more abound. I see a bittersweet situation that this might be the moment that the church has to say where the gospel becomes more real and more powerful than it has ever been. I was listening to someone talk about that he sees historical biblical Christianity becoming invisible and that goes to the second question about your greatest concern about the church, because I know that, at least in part, that you don't see the primary purpose of the church to revolutionize the culture, but rather mm-hmm. to bring people to Christ, to equip the saints for the work of service. But yet it seems to me that human beings who have been powerfully changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ might be the salt and light that puts us on a different trajectory. Yeah, you've said it perfectly well that our our great commission comes from Christ in Matthew 28, and we're to be making disciples. That's what that's what every Christian we are joined to the church universal, and that church universal is known by its local expressions of local church bodies that we're to be a part of, we're to be underneath the authority of, we're to be members of, and come underneath, come into partnership in the gospel. And our job then is to make disciples. And I like how you put it that 
against that dark background, against a, a very dark, sinful background, the light of the gospel shines bright like a beacon, like a lighthouse that we all look up to. And Christians in the world are a salt. They're preservative. And as we preserve the world by, by living uh, transformed lives, lives transformed by the gospel, by the spirit of God working within us to grow these fruits of the spirit that cannot be reproduced by the flesh at all, but must be grown by God's spirit as we adhere to God's word, obedient to Christ's lordship. There is something very different about Christians living in the world, and we influence the world as a preservative, just as salt preserves a decaying, decaying meat. So we, we live as preservatives. We shine the, the, the light on the gospel of Jesus Christ, on Christ in Christ alone, and that's what the world, that's what's going to save this world. And so I, I actually rejoice in the times we're living in. I, I God has chosen us for this time and this place to be his witnesses, his ambassadors for Christ. I, I rejoice in that. My guest is Travis Allen. He, of course, is the teaching pastor at Grace Church in Greeley. You can find out more about him at PillarOfTruthRadio.com, PillarOfTruthRadio.com. And again, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to to share with me and, and my audience. And again, thank you for all that you do. Absolutely, Gino. This is Gino Geraci. I'll be back taking your calls, answering your questions. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's a great, great privilege to have Travis Allen on the program. We've been talking about some important things. And, of course, if you want to know more about Travis Allen, you can go to PillarOfTruthRadio.com. There you can find out a lot about the ministry, the podcasts that he is doing, and the broadcasts that he is making available. And, Travis, again, thanks for, for joining me on the program. I wanted to ask, ask you, I mean, it's pretty common knowledge that, um, that you grew up in Colorado, that you joined the Navy in 1988. And in joining the Navy, you sort of went on a trajectory to become a Navy SEAL. And, yeah. uh, and, and so uh, obviously the training, the discipline that, that goes along with that. I was thinking about the recent uh, tragedy in the Red Sea with the Houthi uh, rebels and the, the Hamas-Israeli conflict. I, I think you and I had a private conversation where I was talking about that I was in Jordan for the first day of the war and spent the next 11 days of the war on the Jordanian side of, uh, <laughs> of the River Jordan. And um, two Navy SEALs lost their life. I just wanted to get your thoughts, reflections on that incident and what you know about it and um, how it made you what, – what did it make you think about and, and dare I use the term without getting too – <laughs> therapeutic how did it make you feel yeah no i don't i don't mind that <clears throat> i don't mind that question or the way you stated it at all because it does it does evoke feelings yeah. uh, from me for sure i um you know i i don't know i don't have any special uh insights or any connection uh you know some special intel on on what went down but i you know i i have uh, performed some of those some of those operations that uh, these guys were doing the the two the two operators, uh, one was named Christopher Chambers, Chris Chambers, mm-hmm. the other one, Nathan Gage Ingram. And Chris and, G- and Gage, um, you know, they're doing shipboard operations uh, mm-hmm. 
BBSS and and uh, going up a, a caving ladder up the side of a ship and in pretty serious um, you know high seas and swift currents in the Gulf of Aden, which is you know kind of notoriously difficult waters. Right. It, it is a it's a it's a difficult operation any way you slice it. It's it's very difficult. In fact, when I when I did it during the during Desert Shield Desert Storm. We we used a, a helo to come straight to the X, drop a fast rope onto the deck of the, the ships we were boarding and went down that way. And that's actually the safest way to do it. These guys are coming up through a probably like a, uh, you know, a, a small boat on the side of this ship that they were boarding, putting up a caving ladder and then climbing up basically what amounts to two cables that are kind of joined horizontally with with uh, with kind of metal rungs. And it's very difficult to climb up those things, even in calm waters it's, mm -hmm. it's not easy with 60 pounds of gear and uh, trying to get up there that's the most difficult part of it but when you've got eight foot swells which means 16 feet from crest to trough of a wave wow um, high seas fast current and one of these guys got uh, got knocked off i don't know if it was a, a rogue wave that hit him i don't know if it was just slipping and falling which is easy to do uh, probably probably hit his head maybe he got smashed between the two uh, the two vessels and uh, what what's remarkable to me is that the other I believe it was Gage that fell off and Chris who jumped in the water after him mm -hmm. uh, because he you, you join your swim buddy you um, and he dove in after him and I always think about you know I've seen I've seen some of that um, in different ways some of that heroism some of that care from one guy to another uh, and I always think of John fifteen thirteen, where mm -hmm. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. I think about even on a human level, um, one man willing to put his life on the line. And in this case, that's exactly what happened. He did put his life on the line and both of them have lost their lives. Yeah. They lost their lives together. And, and so it just, it evokes all kinds of emotions in me to see the the love the care the brotherhood that these guys had um and um and how they're exemplary for for the way one man takes care of his friend and lays down his life for his friend then you i know, think about romans chapter five mm -hmm. and i think about how christ died for us when we were enemies you know one would barely mm -hmm. die for anyone but even but for a good man he may be prepared to die romans five seven and eight but god demonstrates his love for us in this that he that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That, yeah, in that, in that illustration, that in, the, in that illustration, imagine, imagine, it was a Houthi rebel who goes over, and he goes you after him, and you go. It's one That's thing right. to dive into the water for your swim buddy, and it's another one for the guy that you've been sent possibly there to kill, or to judge you got in it. some way. Yeah, that's. That's a very good twist on the illustration because you can imagine too, you know, taking it even further, the guy that fell in the water who needs rescuing. Right. When his rescuer comes in after him, the tendency of the sinner to turn toward the Savior and fight him off and send him away and shoot at him. Um, that's right. what we've done to God. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. Yeah, it's and just I a think remarkable love that God has shown to us. And and see, it, it it ties in again to just being a seal in in this sense for me at least. I'm not a seal, but uh, you know, I I worked with the FBI from 2005 to 2019, and and I was part of what's called the CIP team, which is the Critical Incident Program, where you arrive on mass casualty circumstances. Mm -hmm. And um, for you, 
I'm thinking of the relationship between being an individual with, you know, where the seal is learns, it brings out character and competence and humility. So you're an individual who has to be highly trained, but you're also an individual who has to work with a group. As a matter of fact, if you can't work with the group, you can't work at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's very that's very true. And um, and so I yeah, but I think the, about that the, in relationship to the, the church where you go, okay, we're in the business of discipleship, but we're also in the business of community. And I just wanted your thoughts on that relationship between individual discipleship and community cooperation. Hmm. Well, in in the SEAL teams, um all the guys that I worked with were hard charging, very highly motivated, um, competent guys, well-trained and, and willing to get after it and put their lives on the line. Right. Um, you can see, you can see in a business setting where you got a lot of, you know, very motivated, motivated by the bottom line, motivated by the paycheck, motivated by the accomplishment, uh, driven by ambition. You can see people coming together for all kinds of purposes. What's, what's remarkably different in the local church is when you have a group of redeemed sinners together they're of all different shapes sizes varieties all different backgrounds all different all of them dragging a different set of challenges difficulties baggage into the church all of them at different levels of maturity not motivated by money not motivated by a bottom line not motivated by some selfish ambition but motivated by the glory of god mm-hmm. and and it's to the extent that the spirit grows us in maturity that 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 goal of glorifying God and elevating the name of Jesus Christ makes us sacrifice for one another, makes us sacrifice and set aside worldly priorities for, for godly priorities. It is, a, it is a very interesting thing and really a testament to the Spirit of God working in us, um, to the Lordship of Christ who shepherds each of our churches. Uh, it's a testament to what God does in us to bring such disparate people together to accomplish the mission of bringing glory to him through making disciples uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's so good. My my guest, Travis Allen, and again, if you want to know more, you can go to his website at um, Pillar of Truth Radio, pillaroftruthradio.com. And I know last year, we've only got a second here in this segment left, but um, I know you had a conference in 2023. Are you planning any conferences for 2024? You know, uh, interesting thing. This is the first year we in, in a, 10 years we won't have a conference. So oh, okay. I can say more of that, about that on the other side of it. Okay. Uh, there's a reason for that. Discipleship reason. Okay, great. We, I can't wait to hear my guest, Travis Allen. And again, uh, we're talking about a number of different things. And so glad to be able to have them on the program today. This is Gina Geraci. I'll be right back with more. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gina Geraci, my guest, Pastor Travis Allen. He is the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Greeley. And you can, again, find out more about him at PillarOfTruthRadio.com, where he hosts his own podcast and broadcast. And, again, that's PillarOfTruthRadio.com. And before we went to the break, Travis, um, you had a wonderful conference, which I was unable to attend, but had the privilege of at least interviewing a couple of your guests or, or featured mm-hmm. speakers. 
And, yeah. um, uh, you know, I was asking you at, right before the break about uh, did you have a conference scheduled for 2024? And you made the statement, no, but you were going to explain why. Yeah, the um, the conference we did last year, and thank you again for having us on your program. We'll talk about that, but it was called Christ is Cross and His Church. Yes, yes. And one of the one of the featured one of the featured texts in that conference was Colossians one twenty eight, where Paul says, "Him we proclaim that is right. Christ we proclaim, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete or mm-hmm. mature in Christ." And uh, for this purpose, I also labor, labor striving according to his working, which uh, he works in me in power. And I, we, we just as, as an elder uh, group, an elder team, just thought, you know, we really, as we look at our church, we want to, if we need to make sure that everyone, every single member of our church is complete or mature in Christ, we need to ask the hard question of ourselves as elders do we know where everyone stands with Christ? Uh-huh. Do we know what state their Christian life is in? Do we know their maturity level? And so we really want to take this year to do an assessment of our members to make sure that we are thinking carefully about admonishing every single person, teaching every single person with all wisdom so that we can present every single one of them complete or mature in Christ. So that means we got to know where they are, know where they need to get to, know the steps that it's going to take to get them there and make sure we got the structure in place in the church uh, to make sure that that happens. Cause there's, you can't count on just a few of us elders to do every single work in the church. It's we're given to the church to make sure that, you know, we train people up to do the work of the ministry. And so that's going to, requ- that's been requiring a lot of work of us over the last months and it's going to continue into this year. So we just didn't want a conference planning, though we love doing that as a church. It is an exciting time for us. We just wanted to take everything, clear the decks, make sure we get the, the basic things right, and then continue on from there. So we'll do a conference in the following year, but not this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, this is, this is so interesting to me because it sort of begs a question. And of course, the difference is the difference between a, a Christian and and a disciple. And I think I know your answer. There really, there, there's no such thing as a Christian who isn't a disciple. That's like saying, putting two words together that don't mix, like a, I think John MacArthur used this illustration, a Christian stripper, <laughs> that, that those two thoughts don't come together in a meaningful way. So yeah. I guess what I was going to ask you about discipleship has it been your experience that you have people who are reluctant disciples and people who really are motivated and are and long for discipleship? Yeah, I, I think you can see that in any group of uh, church members, that you can see some who are kind of lagging behind and some who are speeding on ahead. But that really is a difference between immaturity and maturity. Uh, I think those who are mature in Christ, they they long for uh, setting their minds on things above. They long for Christ. They long to see disciples made and to bring glory to God in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, those who lag behind, it, it mostly can come from, you know, just ignorance. Sometimes it's uh, being overcome with sin. Mm-hmm. I've seen also in, in a number of cases where people lag behind because they're just overcome with, with you know, certain 
factors in their life, like could be finance, it could be, uh, you know, health issues, just the chronic uh, pain and things like that that drag them down and uh, keep them out of church. And so as elders, you're, you're just trying to get the, get a handle on how everybody is doing. Some people who are, who are weak, you're trying to help them. And some people who are just lagging behind because they're a little bit rebellious, you need to confront that, lovingly confront that and bring them uh, to understand uh, that what they're holding on to, it's, it's, it's really like playing in a garbage can as opposed to what Christ has for us, which is to open up treasure box after treasure chest uh, in, his, in his treasury so that we can see all the goodness that God has for us. So anyway, that's what we're trying to do is get mm-hmm. a handle on every single member and help them to explore the treasury of Christ. Yeah, on a couple, uh, you, I was listening to you on a podcast, and you, you said a couple of things that were interesting. Believe it or not, one of them was you, we were you were I think it was in the context of discipleship about studying God's word, praying, obeying it, but then you linked obedience to love. In other words, the presence of love makes obedience possible, and so obedience becomes something almost impossible unless it's somehow joined to biblical love. Yeah, absolutely. If, uh, you know, it is, as as Paul says, and I believe in Romans 5, that the love of God has been poured out within us, true believers, poured out within us by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We do not find love for God or love for anybody else coming generated from our own hearts. We don't find it generated from ourselves. Love mm-hmm. is a gift of God. Love for God, love for others is something that he gives us, and it is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the first fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The first, though, the primary, is love. Right. And that love is generated by God, by the Spirit, grown into strength by the Spirit, and it then governs us. And so loving God, we want to obey him. We see him as our father. We see Christ as our older brother, our Lord, our Savior. When we, when, we, when we realize that his authority, his authority in our lives is for our good and for his glory, there, there's no higher purpose for us. There's no greater joy. The most, the, most, um, the most fulfilled, blessed human being who has ever lived, with, without equal, without parallel, is the Lord Jesus Christ. So if he is the most blessed and fulfilled, and he said, I came to do the will of the Father, and he's been obedient to all the will of the Father, well, then we should really take that as a, as a clue that obedience to God and obedience to his word and submission to his authority and walking in, walking in love and obedience, that is true joy. That is actual freedom. Everything else is a cheap substitute that distracts us from what we're created to be and to do. Yeah, and it seems to me, you know, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through twenty, disciples multiply. In, in other words, making dis, a disciple then becomes a disciple maker. And I was thinking about that even in your own story. You talked about uh, going to Bud's school. So you you join the Navy. You are in training, but then there came a time when the training was over. You do a job. Did you ever have the experience in the Navy? Now you become the trainer. You are, 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 are entrusted with the stewardship of other people's lives and their future. Yeah, you know, in, in, some, 
in some smaller ways. I got saved after I went through BUDS, after I went oh, okay. through uh, what they now call SEAL tactical training or SQT sure. now. So, but uh, but I, I got saved after that time and as I was getting into my platoon. And and so uh, at getting saved then at that early stage, then, then we went to Desert Shield, Desert Storm, mm-hmm. you know, went to Somalia, things like that. And and it was um, the Lord kind of directed me elsewhere because he had, you know, pastoring in my future. Sure, and I didn't sure. know that. But but as a young guy, um, you know, we we went to war. We did, a, you know, a number of things in that time that were, you know, high speed, low drag for that time. Anyway, pre pre 9-11. Sure. But um, coming back from that, we did have things to pass on. But I was such a young guy with not you know, that with a very limited amount of real world experience and things. But I did pass on what I knew to younger guys. So, yeah, when you see guys, their, their lives are dependent on it. That makes the training more pertinent. My guest, Travis Allen, he's the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Greeley. And again, you can find out more about him at PillarOfTruthRadio.com. That's at PillarOfTruthRadio.com. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me. And as I'm fond of saying that every once in a while, we have authors, artists, guests who are making a difference in the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. Joining me is Travis Allen. He is the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Greeley. And of course, you can find him at Pillar of Truth Radio at PillarOfTruthRadio.com. And you know, we were talking a little bit, um, Travis, about your Navy background, your SEAL background. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was you recently, I, I guess by recently in the last couple of months, you did a teaching on Jesus and humility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and the way I think of humility as not weakness, but meekness. Um, it's strength under control, lowliness, the absence of self. You quoted Colossians and I, and what comes to my mind is Colossians 3, 12, uh, where Paul is writing. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, Mm -hmm. humility, meekness, and patience. It's elsewhere translated lowliness of mind. So apparently humility isn't just an outward demeanor. It's it's some sort of character, heart, attitude, and that you can put on, a, on an outward show of what looks like false humility, and, and, and your heart is full of pride and arrogance. And I wanted you to, because again, a, a, as a person who's trained to kill people, and you, you look at a person and you go, I could kill that person. You decide not to because it's just a bad idea or because you're motivated by the love of Christ that probably killing them is not a good idea, that the person needs to get saved. And and here is this example of Jesus, who is the second person of the Trinity. He is God who has a, a second nature, a human nature. All authority has been given to him in heaven and earth. Talk a little bit about your journey in that teaching as you considered the humility of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I I, thank you for uh, asking the question. It's something I take joy in talking about, but it is, it is for me personally, meekness, gentleness is something that uh, it it does not come naturally to me. And, and I think easily, right. Naturally or easily. 
Yeah, naturally, easily. And I think that's probably true really for everybody, because when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ in our, our church, we've been doing a slow roll through Luke's gospel. And mm-hmm. we've just seen over and over and over again um, what Jesus, how Jesus described himself in a Matthew 11, 28, 29, where he said, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am. Mm-hmm. And he uses that word gentle and lowly and hard. You'll find rest right. for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But he describes himself as gentle and lowly of heart or meek is another translation for gentle. Mm-hmm. And as we've as we've kind of worked this through, you mentioned that I, I preached this recently at the Founders Conference, that gentleness or meekness is, de- is demonstrated in Christ being kind, also in Christ being restrained. You know, right. you talk about power under control. He's got the power of the universe at his fingertips, and he has the power of judgment to bring, and he is assigned by God to be the judge of all the earth, to judge the, between, the, between the sheep and the goats. He's going to be at the great white throne judgment. He's going to send his enemies to an eternal hell. So he's got the, he's got the power to evaporate his enemies, and yet he shows not only the restraint by not doing that, but instead— he shows them compassion. He teaches the scribes, the Pharisees, those who are the proudest of men, religious hypocrites, those who are trying to entrap him. He restrains himself and teaches them instead. But even, even also we see um, not just, not just uh, the idea of restraint, but we see this calm composure that he exercises in the face of great adversity. And I, you know, I took as, as an illustration, mm-hmm. went to the two temple cleansings. When he moves through the temple, and he, and as he moves through the temple, he shows great composure. And uh, he did take the time when he saw the ungodliness and the, the the greed and the covetousness and all that, turning the temple not just into a marketplace but into a den of robbers. Completely the opposite of what his father intended the temple to be for. He as a, it was to be a place of prayer for the for the nations. And, and so he comes through the temple, and instead of going, going full John Rambo on everybody uh-huh. and, and going full auto, he takes the time to, to, to craft a whip of cords. And what's the whip for? It's to drive the animals away. There's the command of his voice for the sinners. There's the crack of the whip for the animals to get them out. There's the turning over the table of the money changers. The money, money they, they'll chase their idol when it falls all over the ground. And then instead of whipping or driving away the and turning over bird cages, he commands those who are selling the birds to take these things out. So he doesn't he doesn't hurt any animals. He doesn't hurt any people. If he did cause any physical harm or damage to people, that would completely undermine the credibility of his ministry. A few hours after he cleanses the temple the second time. He's there setting up his teaching ministry in the heart of the temple. And those who are sick and in need, need of healing came to him as the gentle healer, the Savior. So you just see this calm composure as he moves through a very difficult, adverse set of circumstances. I always compare it to guys in the SEAL teams or guys in special forces who are moving through a target, discerning between, between enemy, hostile, and mm-hmm. then those who are the victims or those who are the innocents. And if anybody's hurt in that situation, they'll, they'll take out the threat, but they'll turn and administer first aid to those who are injured, or they'll, they'll shepherd the women and the children out of the way. And I know in the bin Laden raid, 
Mm-hmm. One guy even even jumped on, you know, to pull uh, pull away the women and the children, knowing that one of those women could have had a suicide vest on and blown up everybody else. But he puts his own life in harm's way to not not only to shield his friends, but even to care for them. I, I just find that is a remarkable illustration mm-hmm. uh, on a human level, but to see what the Lord did. Uh, and and how his meekness is demonstrated in in the midst of great adversity. And since I have you on, let's dismiss a conspiracy theory, since I have you on. For the person who says, but bin Laden really wasn't killed, that they didn't take him over the sea and drop him into the ocean, how do we know for sure that he was really killed and that he's really gone and that he's not coming back? Um, there's eyewitness testimonies of the fact, and uh, there's quite a bit of eyewitness testimony to the fact. So, um, so it seems I, to me I'm there's an sure illustration. Sure. Well, the <laughs> illustration is part of the resurrection. How do we know that Jesus really died and came back to life? I mean, how do we know yeah. Bin Laden really died and he's gone, gone, gone? He's not coming back to life because there are people well, who say that, that if he if we buried him somewhere they would erect a shrine and that it would just simply continue to motivate jihadi terrorists and 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 that kind of thing but i guess <laughs> we, i digress because one one of the things one of the things i wanted to uh you, you know when you were talking about um that it seems to me also there's another component. God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. So even if a person is struggling with humility, you can we can say, no, Proverbs 3.34 says he opposes the proud. And so what does it mean, humble yourself, therefore? Oh, <laughs> I, we, 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 must, we must humble ourselves before God and submit to him. And there is, there is salvation. There is no salvation in pride. There's salvation right. in humility to humble ourselves before God and before his cross and before his Christ and bow the knee. Because, listen, like I said at the very beginning, I, I don't find natural, uh, in my natural fallen condition, I do not find the, the resources I need to be pleasing before God. Christ accomplished my righteousness. He's accomplished it, and I'm hidden in him. And that is, he is my salvation. And thank God for that. (laughs) Travis Allen, again, muchas gracias. Thank you so very much. Brother, wonderful talking to you. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back, hopefully, prayerfully. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.